0: Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek.
1: Welcome to Beginning the Trek, Jessica. Hi. Hi. And for those of you that are joining us for uh, your first time, and there may be a lot of you because we have a lot of new listeners, um, welcome to you. For those of you that are joining us for your more than first time, welcome to you, and thank you for joining us. Uh, We've had quite the upsurge in listenership over the last couple of weeks. And Jessica and I are really grateful. Uh, we're really grateful that that you all are choosing to spend an hour of your week uh, watching a new episode of Star Trek and and uh, a new episode to Jessica ah, and yes. getting to know getting to know uh, Star Trek newly. So thank you.
0: And super excited to be kind of joining in this uh, not so little as it turned out Star Trek fan group. So, thank you all.
1: Yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and we really appreciate it. So, um, because we've got a lot of new listeners, we just wanted to take a quick minute and talk about what Beginning the Trek is, so you all know. Beginning the Trek is a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek, and this came from an idea that Jessica and I had when I said, hey, Jessica, you've never seen Star Trek, and Jessica said, "There's way too much.
0: I don't even know where to start. <laughs> also, a lot of them look really old, and some of them seem really awful.
1: Yeah, and uh, and then you also made fun of my costume.
0: To be fair, guys, it's was it a, the Harry yeah. Mud costume? Yeah, it was the Harry
1: Mud costume. So, so, so yeah, um, but I got <laughs> it. It's like it's hard to get into Star Trek, and with so many great Star Trek stories for people to watch, it it's." It's some still some of the best television that you can find out there, I think. And we decided to...
0: Right. We decided it would be less daunting for a newbie if there was a... Trek set out. It was like, hey, from the experienced watcher, watch this one and then watch this one and then skip that one because it's both useless and sexist and racist slash whatever, or just boring, which is probably the worst sin of all um, for television. And so this is the this is the track that will do that for all of the newbies like me. But we're actually already on 17 and we're done with the original series.
1: So if if you want to start the journey right along with Jessica, uh, we urge you to go back and start yours with episode one that explains the journey, and then episode two is our first original series episode. So uh, that's one way for you to enjoy it. We're just getting started with her trip through the, through the next generation. Yeah, we're three episodes into your next generation journey.
0: So if you haven't watched a whole lot of Next Generation, you might want to start with Encounter at Farpoint, and before listening to the rest of this episode, you definitely should rewatch Elementary Deer Data, not just because it's, we're going to spoil everything, but also because it's really, really good. Like, Elementary Deer Data was... Better than the others thus far.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, we've got uh, here's how this works. The first thing we do is uh, we do uh, Let's Talk Spoilers, and that's where we talk just a little bit about uh, some of the things you might need to know before you go into this since Jessica hasn't seen everything uh, from the last episode till now. So let's do that now.
0: Let's talk Spoilers. What do I need to know going into Elementary Deer Data?
1: The two big spoilers. There's a few big spoilers that I just wanted to mention to you. The first one is, uh, and 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 we talked about it at the end of the first season. We're going to have a new doctor for one right. season. So Doctor Kate Pulaski has joined the crew. Now we, she came in in the Child, uh, which I'd already talked to you about. Right. And did you get a chance to go watch that? I did. Okay, cool. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. So you've met Dr. Pulaski, but for those of you that Mm -hmm. that are following this track, you'll meet Dr. Pulaski right here. Uh, Also, the holodeck, which is that cool big, big room where uh, Riker was in, and and uh, he met. Data for the first time, and it was a forest, and there was a stream, and Wesley fell in, Wesley Crusher fell into it. That's the Mm. holodeck. It's had a refit. Lots and lots of new stuff going on there, including the ability to make characters, including the ability to uh, have you interact and be a part of a story, an ongoing story.
0: And if you've already watched Elementary, Dear Data, then you know possibly a whole lot more.
1: Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, they really, they really beefed up the, the, computer, uh, the computer interface on the holodeck. It can do pretty amazing things. Uh, Riker has grown a beard. And this is significant. It actually is, because a lot of people say that, the, the, that Star Trek gets good. The next generation gets good when Riker grows his beard. So beard is there. We're into the second season now. And it, definitely things are ramping up.
0: All right. So those are spoilers in general. Now let's talk episode. You're going to recap.
1: Yeah. And there's one more thing I'm just going to mention at the end. There has been a person who died since our last episode. It still happened in episode or in the first season. And this is your last chance. I'm going to be spoiling that officially at the end of this episode. So if you want to go back and watch Skin of Evil to see it happen for yourself, do that. Otherwise, I'll let you know who that person is at the end. Now we're ready for the 10-sentence synopsis. All right. This one is all yours. Uh, Okay. So 10 sentences. Here is the synopsis of Elementary Dear Data. We've got a little downtime on the Enterprise. And after Geordi shares his model-making hobby with his good friend Data, they head to the holodeck for a 19th-century London mystery adventure with Data, assuming the lead role of Sherlock Holmes. Data takes all the fun out of it by solving everything too quickly, so Geordie leaves complaining that Data spoiled the mystery. When Dr. Pulaski overhears, she chimes in saying that his programming won't allow him to understand the human soul, and therefore it renders him incapable of solving any Holmes-style mystery that he doesn't already know. Let's test that, says Geordie, and back to London they go, where our chief engineer cleverly gives the Perfect computer command. Create an adversary capable of defeating data. Okie dokie, says the computer. And the character of Professor Moriarty gets, like, really, really, really smart. Kidnapping Pulaski, Moriarty forces Sherlock Data to the chase, but when the android detective is confronted by his nemesis with a picture of the Enterprise itself, Data drops the act, grabs Geordi, and hightails it out of there. Unable to shut him down, the crew realize Moriarty's knowledge and control of the computer came from LaForge's command, which created, well, something that it probably shouldn't be allowed to do, but it did do, so... moving on... Shaking the ship with his own makeshift control panel, Moriarty summons an exceptionally dapper Picard to negotiate terms. Moriarty claims to be alive, and having overcome his villain character programming, he requests to live, and to leave the holodeck, but Picard can't grant this, for there is no technology to transfer him to the real world. As Moriarty is acting not like a villain but a reasonable man, Picard chooses to help him by offering to save him to Floppy and then bring him back once they figure out the tech. And with that, we say goodbye to Moriarty, goodbye to London, and goodbye to the holodeck, and goodbye to what I think is a really fun episode.
0: Nicely wrapped up. Thank you. Although, when you think about it, Pulaski saying you don't understand the human soul, so you need to go solve a riddle that's developed by another computer is really silly. Like, as a test.
1: It's, and I believe that you're about to make that point when we talk episode right after.
0: Let's talk episode. Let me tell you all of my feels about this one. Tell me all
1: of your feels about Elementary deer data
0: uh, I really liked it and I'm also going to be extremely excited because we get to talk AI and that's one of my favorite conversations inside or outside of sci-fi just oh cool yeah like mentally I find AI very engaging so.
1: Well, then this was certainly the episode for you. Yes. I didn't realize that, but but I, I had a lot of reasons I wanted to show you this episode, which you can probably guess. Um, the holodeck is a very cool place and needs to be explored.
0: Clearly. Okay. So before, well, before we get into the whole AI thing, because we could probably talk for a full hour on that at least. Okay. Uh, I wanted to call out something that struck me almost the most in this is the costumes and outfits and even the sets so detailed, so beautiful, like, intricate and not plastic nonsense kind of props. They all looked really genuine. Picard is dapper AF. Right? Even Worf looks amazing How when he puts sharp. on, like...
1: Was Worf in that suit?
0: Yes, and Riker standing there in his little like red and black. looks so jealous of everyone. He and looked it's like awesome. he was standing
1: there in his pajamas compared to the rest of them, right? Yes. Looked, yeah, Worf looked great. Picard looked awesome. The hat w- with the little pop of the of the top hat with his with his cane mm-hmm. was just. Mm, What a great moment. Yes, he just,
0: why does he not always run around in the capes and top hats? Because, like, of of all people, he pulls it off the best.
1: I haven't yet seen a good Star Trek uniform that has a cape. But you never Mm. know. They're making new Star Trek every day. Admirals could show up wearing capes any day now. Well,
0: I'll tell you, it'll fit as long as Patrick Stewart's wearing it. That man rocks. <laughs> and even and even
1: Data and, and LaForge, who I thought... Yes. The, when LaForge w- was walking around in there, looking the part, the part with that visor. so well. You get to know a lot more about Jordi LaForge. You get to know a lot more about Data. Well, let's
0: talk about the two of them first. Yeah. Uh, one thing, LeVar Burton should definitely have been given more time because... It, there was little shining, t- tiny moments, but they were so tiny. And if if you'd, a l- I feel like if they'd let him go, oh, it would have been really, really brilliant. Um, mm. And instead, we got just like tiny itty bitty moments of brilliance. Um, and who plays Data? Uh, Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. Brent
1: Spiner. Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, phenomenal. This is the first time, actually. I feel like I've seen anybody be. Like friendly, really, with anybody else, like truly, Jordy is friends with Data.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It, it's it's and it becomes a great model for future friendships that we'll see and explore in, in other in other shows. Uh, when we get to Deep Space Nine, there will be a friendship bond similar to that. So yeah, this is this is going to be. Uh, something you'll probably see a lot of. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. They're playing together. They went to the holodeck to play a game. Yeah, they're well. It's down. Yeah, and, and in
0: this downtown, and he can even like he comes out to his friend and is just like, "Hey, way too easy for you. Not not cool." On the flip side, Pulaski's non-friendship or whatever that. He- why is she so what she is? <laughs> She's such a nosy little wench. That's like the nicest way I can put this.
1: (laughs) So, so, um, (laughs) I'm not sure where to go with that.
0: I did meet, I watched the child just as an introduction to season two. Right. Yeah. So, so I did that on my own and that could be a whole nother episode, obviously, but it's not part of this, but I just like some of the opinions are going to be formed with her because she was introduced in a, in a very. Uh, she doesn't like Data, or not that she doesn't like him. She just thinks he's, he's a complicated machine and that's it.
1: Yeah, she has a very strong opinion of what Data is and what he isn't. And she thinks of him as a very limited being. You know, you can kind of tell. He he doesn't have the ability to reason. He can't do the deductive reasoning necessary to actually beat a mystery that he hasn't actually already read.
0: You know, the irony there Mm -hmm. is that she decides that proof of humanity in data is by putting him up against another machine.
1: Now, that's an interesting thought. And it, so, and it certainly. she's, the, cha- she's not the smartest. <laughs> She'll challenge data a lot. And the more that she challenges him, the more I'll, st- I started to feel, um, and maybe it's just that I've already lived it, but right. I'll start to feel more that she's, she's trying to pull the humanity out of him, that this isn't, she's not doing this to be snide, She's not doing this to be is gotcha. an attack. She's doing this because she sees him. And so she's ch- and, and, and I'll, I'll invite you to look for that in future episodes.
0: Okay. This is intentional.
1: I, I think so. I think so. Otherwise, she's just a witch. Yeah right
0: she does she does come off that way. I mean it's it's a tiny bit playful and thank God for the costumes. Oh something else I wanted to mention about the costumes. Um, I said it before and I'll say it again. the favorite episodes of Star Trek are going to be those when we finally get to see the characters dressed in something more familiar yeah And yet another example of this one being
1: oh they're humans they're not. Future people on a ship. Well, we got time travel without getting a time travel episode. Right. And yep. that's fun. And that's one of the things a holodeck can, can give you. And the whole the whole um, environment was great. And you mentioned the costumes. Uh, I looked this up because the costumes are so good. And, and you're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, Dorinda Rice Wood was the costume designer at this time and she was the one that designed the costumes for this episode which won the Emmy for best costume for a television series that year. So nice. you you what you picked up on was very real was was that she'll go on by the way to design uh, you said that you did watch The Child? Yes. Okay, so so you've already you've already met um, Whoopi Goldberg's character Guinan. Yes. Then, so we'll, we'll, don't spoil that. We're going to get to her. <laughs> okay. We're going to have a lot with her in the next episode. Okay. Uh, the, cool. In, in this track, so how do we do this? Let's see. This is kind of like almost like a mini spoiler. Um, for now, I'll just say Dorinda Rice Wood designed D- Guinan's. Costume, and put together that that beautiful headgear that she has as a way to hide the dreadlocks. Oh, interesting. Okay, you'll never see her hair while she's on the Enterprise, and that was so intentional. Can, it was intentional, and it's such a beautiful costume. I'm actually thinking about cosplaying it next year at the convention uh, as guyant Cool. Heck yes, I got the same last name as as Whoopi Goldberg. You I do, can, uh, right? figure that entitles me
0: i kind of i kind of want to see if you do this i kind of want there to be dreadlocks underneath it that way you can pull off the one and the other i do not
1: think i am growing my hair soon enough to be able to create (laughs) dreadlocks no no,
0: it'd have to be (laughs) okay our listeners need to understand uh andy's shaves his head like waxy shiny dome so (laughs) you guys haven't seen pictures of us but this is fun to talk about dreadlocks for andy because of that i
1: very much enjoy having a nice shiny bald head (laughs) i I don't have it all the time I got a little tiny growth right now but there you go a little bit
0: you're feeling scruffy recently but but right you said something about data and jordy that we'll see friendships like that and it's kind of a boilerplate for future relationships yes. in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Was that were they trying to also do a McCoy and Spock thing with Data and P- Pulaski? Is that a
1: thing? I would think that there's something going on there because they certainly have that that kind of banter, the the you you're not human, you're not giving me you that, that there there definitely is a banter right dynamic happening there, but I don't know how much they tried to model that after the original McCoy, uh the, the McCoy and and Spock relationship, um. You can see where any time that the doctor and the science person mm-hmm. have a hard time relating with one another, we in Star Trek just go right back to Spock and McCoy. So
0: it may have nothing, yeah. It may have nothing to do with it. It's just like, oh, that's there. So we, as we as Trekkies, oh
1: wow. I like Doctor Pulaski. I think, and you're going to see more on her opinions of him.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the yeah. This is the it gets better line. Okay, I believe you. Well, and
1: and, and it's already good. I think.
0: Yeah, I don't like her very much. No, oh,
1: okay. Yeah, her is not as good for you yet. It may be another one of those Jane situations. We'll see. Fair. We're going to start calling it the Jane situation.
0: Yeah, it's a it's when a fitting. When
1: you run into something that you don't like, now that I say, just hang with. Well, we'll see. Um. So so let's so let's talk about about data. Okay. And, and let's talk about the holodeck and Moriarty. And there's a lot going on there. Uh, yeah, bulk of the story
0: right there. Is Geordi really at fault for telling the computer to create a riddle worthy of data instead of worthy of Sherlock Holmes?
1: I, it, it's hard to blame him for saying a sentence that A computer should be smart enough to not interpret as do something dangerous to the entire construct of our existence. Which brings up a
0: question. Why are there not fail-safes? Like, uh, what are the the three rules, which is just do not let a human come to harm, Mm -hmm. nor through inaction allow a human to come to harm? If that's not written into the ship, I don't understand.
1: Well, it, it it some version of that probably is and it certainly was operating within its ethics. What was missing, you're right, was some sort of some sort of security override that would say that command right there can't be done because something something something, you know, it would it would recognize. First of all, I'm not sure how the enterprise was able to create sentient life itself. Is that a sentient representation of the Enterprise, or is it its own being? That's a question. Boy, we got so many places to go with this. Yes,
0: no, yeah, because this is this is going to lead to this is why I love talks about AI.
1: Yeah, I mean, these are just a few of the questions. And this is
0: kind of surprising because Data was really—I felt—he wasn't secondary, but in my mind, Data is Data. We've already accepted him as non-human but alive. Yes. And if we're going to go with, does he feel feelings? Meh, he's probably programmed to feel feelings. Does that make them real feelings? If you can't distinguish between real feelings and programmed feelings, does it even matter? So I kind of leave that one. It's, it's a little bit like, did he pass the Turing test? Yes. Does it matter that he passed the Turing test? No, because we've already accepted Data as a full character on the ship with his own being. What was more fascinating to me was exactly what you brought up, just a minute ago, was the ship. Is the ship alive? Is the ship sentient? Is the ship so sentient and alive that it can essentially create data? Because it didn't. It created something that went beyond data, and you had to bring Picard in. Well... So here's the next question that I come to from the ship. (laughs) Uh, After all the questions that I just asked that you don't you didn't chime in with real answers to can you can you answer those answer that one. Oh, you wanted me to
1: answer them
0: no you know maybe this is just a matter of perception that this was less about data and and more about the ship the ship is asked to create an opponent worthy of data it goes w- way beyond that
1: Right. The words were capable of defeating Data. Right. And thank goodness it didn't go too far because it could have just made like some murdering thing that you just defeated him. Right. If it wanted to, I suppose it could just, you know, drop a building on his head. Which leads to questions about what's the difference between the holodeck
0: and the ship? And is the holodeck the ship's way of manifesting essentially toys for itself? This is a computer playing games with itself because it becomes so much less about data and becomes about Moriarty figured out really quickly. I mean within seconds. There is so much more than this holodeck and he drew the ship. Yeah.
1: Well, well he was there watching them when Jordi calls for the arch and and he could and he could right. see the arch before Jordi made the the command and that's just a little bit of a plot hole for me because he shouldn't have been able to like see mm. or interact with them when they were communicating with the computer until after he becomes sentient. But right. he sees them. He sees the command. You can see something happen there. You see the um, the momentary cutaway where for the first time we see the bridge and there's Worf saying, oh, something just happened. You know, you can right. tell that was not the right thing to say to the computer. In that moment, but I mean, you right. could just, and yeah. you even predicted it. I mean, you predicted it beautifully last week. What was my prediction? Your prediction?
0: Oh, that the ship was going to go. You, you you thought that Moriarty
1: uh, was his brother, and he's not; he's his enemy. Right. You, right. no, no, you just didn't you didn't know a, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the right relation. The name now. of his. Uh, you predicted that, and and. Got that very right. Yes. The ship manifested itself as more, as more. Well, did the ship manifest itself or did it give birth to a thing that had sentience? That was its own thing.
0: I seriously think that the Enterprise just from this episode, this episode changes what the ship is Mm. in my mind completely. The ship, the Enterprise, this, the, the, the one we discovered in this episode is alive. Okay. And it's playing games with itself. It created a character and then said, I'm going to give it this much access because that's what they told me to give it. That is the line at which it will become a danger to data. So it's still following the command, but there's, I don't know, is this just me seeing this in the Enterprise? But it just seems so very clear to me that this was like, The ship's intelligence is also taking a break and having fun, too. Mm -hmm. And Moriarty is the manifestation of that because it got to follow Geordi's command.
1: You know, it's funny. You might be attributing more to the Enterprise computer as far as what it might have been desiring to play to. Sure. To, you know, to create its own avatar to go out and and, and play the game with them. Yeah. But why not? I mean, I don't know. And not until the last season do we get to an episode, but we do get to an episode where um, the Enterprise computer basically does become sentient in a different way. And so we explore this concept again in the very far future, in the very far future. I'm not going to say... No the the computer's not alive. It does this all the time. It does it does all kinds of little things. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the ship is maybe the ship is haunted. Maybe the ship is possessed. Um, or it just wants to play. Maybe it's just it's it's a big puppy out in space, <laughs> just exploring. Yeah, maybe it just wants it's to play just, too. You know
0: what the. If you take it that way, the enterprise really is just like uh, an animal kind of sniffing out an adventure and the crew in if you take it from that in its mind is just the microbes tagging along.
1: Maybe Yeah, doing their own thing, thinking they're in charge.
0: Maybe right? Maybe it's just layers and layers of code. We've got how many versions of the enterprise are we at right now?
1: Well this is the D. So we've had an a, uh, we've had a, a NCC 1701 and then when that gets blown up in Star Trek 3 we get the A which looks very much like the original mm-hmm. then we get the B which will you'll see briefly in the movie Generations which is the 7th movie that's we we haven't gotten to that and that's a bit of a mashup between the original series and the next generation there are characters it's the whole it's it's a next generation film mm-hmm. but it includes three characters from the original series. Okay. There is a C. Uh, there is an episode with the C, and and that, and that, we'll talk about that when we get closer to that. And then the D is the one we have right now. And then just for fun, I'll mention um, that we will see the E at some point okay. in the future.
0: It, needless to say, it's on its fourth iteration, and the stuff, obviously, that it did in the original series is... T- nowhere near the stuff it's doing now. And I'm sure people watching Discovery are like, just you wait. (laughs) So I don't know. I like thinking about this ship as its own thing. I think humans are egotistical so far beyond to be able to say, we are the standard at which a robot is measured. And we do that with I mean originally I don't even know if we're doing that anymore we we do that with like the Turing test how how can it can mm-hmm. it convince us because we're so smart that it's one of us which is ridiculous which like yeah. when you think about it a ridiculous premise for a test for a robot and then if we don't do that we do we yeah. go to feelings well can it actually feel because data I think will only ever prove that he's more than what he's programmed by going so far outside of his programming. And that'll prove to Pulaski that he's alive or can be human. He's Pinocchio. Wouldn't that be a fun thing to see?
1: Oh, there's an episode. Well, of course there's episodes. So whatever the
0: title of that one is, I called it.
1: Well, well, so, so that's not necessarily an episode, but as we go through this season, and like I said, we're mm. going to do, I don't know, four or five, I, I, I'm not looking at the list right now, but a lot of episodes from this second season. So you're going to get to see Pulaski several times and watch how she interacts with Data as we move through the season and see where she's just doing what it seems like she's doing in this episode basically just kind mm-hmm. of being a mm-hmm, to him mm-hmm. and where she's starting to encourage him to be more than he actually thinks he is himself. Um one of my favorite thoughts about data is the thing that limits data the most is data, which is about as human a thing as you can get. The thing that limits me the most <laughs> is me, right? Right. Chances are most people can say that. The thing that limits them the most right. is themselves. Self. And I think yeah. it's Data's belief that there's more, just like we all have that belief, that, right. that drives him on his Pinocchio-like quest. That's one of the great characters of all of the next generation. And we spend a lot of time answering the question, what is Data?
0: Do you think that that's because we can't, for ourselves, figure out what's actually human?
1: I think we're starting to get that we may not be as far away from the machines that we're starting to create as we used to think we were. You know, we're making machines now that are really starting to be very hard to distinguish from humans.
0: We should talk about Moriarty, because we assume that he is alive but at what point did he gain sentience when they when the holodeck told him to when he drew the ship
1: well i'm not sure exactly when it happened but my guess would be at some point shortly after the command once the computer figured out how to imbue him with whatever things mm-hmm. it needed you know curiosity and and a desire to defeat data um which, by the way, lost I noticed is the as it, it no longer became about defeating data. He really did become like a person with his own desire that had nothing to do with what right. originally created it, and that's the thing that I think is the coolest part of Moriarty. So the same, the same thing with
0: data. The only way to prove that he's more human is to go so far outside of his programming that we accept that as his his own choices and his own feelings and behaviors, which is what Moriarty did.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I, I have no problem believing that this mm-hmm. character of Moriarty, that this holodeck creation was mm-hmm. in a way alive, was sentient. And since we basically created him with our technology, we're kind of responsible mm-hmm. for him.
0: I think the moment most people would say he became alive is when he begs to live.
1: Yeah, at the end?
0: At the that's um, cuz all of the rest of it, it's like oh it's a game, oh he's really smart. Oh, but it's not until he acknowledges no, I want mm-hmm. to stay. I want to be alive. Yeah. is the assumption that he is alive. And that he can be killed. And that's, that's, that's
1: very human. one of the best. I, I love the moment when Picard finally goes into the holodeck with Data and and they meet Pulaski mm-hmm. and he says, you know, you shook the ship to get me in here. What do you want? And he says, I just, I all I want is to live. And from that moment on, there's no super criminal there. There's no, nope. like that's, I think that's the moment where I really get, this guy is just fighting for his life just like we all are. Right. And I think he deserves it. I think he deserves a chance at it. I hope he gets one.
0: I think it's really interesting because the second you say that, Mm -hmm. then it brings into light. Even we as humans don't use a measure of intelligence or uh, comprehension as a test of what is alive. A baby is alive because it was born and it is breathing. We have, we declare brain dead when our brain ceases, but it's not until like our hearts and somebody out there can say I'm medically wrong or the brain in the heart. That's what we do. So if the heart's mm-hmm. beating technically alive, I'm going to go with that, even though I'm not a hundred percent sure it's true.
1: Okay. If
0: you imagine the holodeck as, or the ship itself, the enterprise, all of those characters and everything that the holodeck can create is essentially a baby. It's got a heartbeat, but no brainwaves, right? Yes. So Moriarty was given a heartbeat and brainwaves, but everything in that place could be, has all of the potential to be just as alive. Am I crazy for saying this
1: stuff? No, you're not crazy at all, and and it it gets explored in a lot of ways. We're going to do another holodeck episode when we get to Deep Space Nine, that is my all time favorite. There are holo not holodecks, holosuites. suites. There's a bar on Deep Space Nine. Okay. In the bar, they know how to party. They well, oh, okay. yeah. Deep Space Nine is on the frontier. Okay. Um, so it's a different a different setting, and they've got these holosuites, suites. And there's an episode coming up that we'll watch because it's just. Too much fun, and the character—one of the characters—is a a character called Vic Fontaine, and we'll get to him later. But Mm -hmm. he develops his own sort of sentience, Mm -hmm. and they just leave him running for weeks and months, and he becomes sort of an integral part of this of the show.
0: Okay, but there's a character there that's well aware of the ship and everything that's going on outside of this. The hollow,
1: sweet. Yes. yes, he is. Okay. He is sentient. He is aware, and so he has a similar experience to the Moriarty character.
0: Except he's not essentially just thrown away at the end.
1: Well, you mentioned that you didn't care for for Picard's actual resolution to put him on a, a thumb drive,
0: <laughs> right? And just because is that is that a form of death anyway? There's a lot of trust. Moriarty could mess with a lot of stuff and he doesn't. He just says, okay, he trusts Picard and Picard trusts him. I don't know why Picard would ever bring him back. Obviously he started out as a program to defeat something. So probably his base.
1: Picard did make a promise to him that he would try and figure out a solution to get him off the holodeck one day he did make that promise he
0: did so when we connect the holodeck with the transporter because apparently there's some connection with the technology there we are going to see that happen is that really a good idea i mean i know we're essentially killing a someone but it's we do that a lot i mean let's be honest as humans <laughs>
1: Well, I, I've mentioned that we'll see him again. Yes, for sure. Um, in fact, let me let me just give you the name of the episode. We'll make that a recommendation for the week. And here's okay. here's the beauty of this. In, in this case, because this involves Moriarty. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, I don't believe there's any spoilers that you need to know, except um, that there's a new, a, a recurring character called Reginald Barkley. He is a worrywart. He is a little bit, he's, he's a, oh, what do you call it, a hypochondriac. He's, okay. he's a very comic relief character. Um, and he starts out this show. So if you don't know who he is, he's, he's a fun character. The name of the episode is Ship in a Bottle. Ship in Bottle. In a bottle. It's sixth, okay. sixth season, episode 12. Okay. So that would actually be like four years later. Because each year is like, a, each season is like a year.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Ship in a bottle. Ship in a bottle. All right. Reg Barkley. right? Bre- or Reg Barkley. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Reg is fine. And it's a All good right.
1: episode. It's every bit as interesting as this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And we just won't get to uh, it. With some fun... Fun twists. We just, yeah.
0: And you gave it up because you only get 52.
1: I only get 52, but it. I had to use at least one on the uh, that featured the holodeck. This is the holodeck episode of all of Star Trek. This was the holodeck episode I wanted to show you. Let's talk Trek. Let's do. How did Gates McFadden end up off Star Trek? And how did she make her way back onto Star Trek? And that's another she story. She pissed
0: somebody off.
1: Eh? She pissed somebody off. Really? She absolutely pissed <laughs> good off. good for her. Yeah, she did. I hope it was for a good reason. Well, um, it, it, it was. She had been very outspoken, um, more than you. About some of the misogyny that she saw early on, even in this series, and they uh, again mm-hmm. that first season they were finding themselves, and she particularly um, talked about uh, an episode that she considered to be extraordinarily racist. If it's, th- I don't know which one she was thinking of, but if it's the one I think it is, she's right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a. a bad moment for star trek and it happens very early in the series and thank goodness um, they overcame it because it was just a bad episode uh, which I will not even mention the name of so awesome don't watch, yeah, it. Don't watch it i don't watch don't, don't watch it. any of the, after encounter at far point don't watch anything until you, you, you like the first 4 or 5 just don't just don't okay for now so she pitched a fit she pitched a lot of fits about the misogyny about the lack of women's roles. And this was with a Deanna Troy that was still a little clunky and a Tasha Yar that was clunky. And even mm-hmm. at times her character wasn't getting to do some of, you know, I mean, here they were, she just wanted them to be more progressive than they were at that moment. And she got into a lot of arguments with a particular writer and the writer essentially said it's her or me. And so it ended up being her. So she was fired.
0: Really? Yes. That writer must have been freaking epic because she's not in any way lacking. As well, from an what actress. I understand,
1: the writer didn't last one more season, and they brought oh. her back. Well, they brought okay. they brought good. her back and, and they brought her back at the behest of Patrick Stewart, who apparently called in and said, "Is there what any is please, wrong with you? We want yeah. you to come back. Please, please, please come back." And I don't think that it was anything to do with Pulaski. I think that it was just that it was a relationship and a like that character
0: he knows good stories. He knows good acting. Yeah, I'd listen to him. No, nothing
1: wrong with Diane Muldar who played Dr. Pulaski. Um, I think she's a great actress, and, and I think that you'll... I really like her By the in end a lot I'll of these her. episodes. And and I think you will. What did, what did she end up doing? Um, we don't see her again, and it's a shame, because there's a couple of great opportunities where they could have brought her character back, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So I have to assume maybe there was a falling out there, or she was... I don't know. I don't know.
0: Maybe she was just done. I could... See
1: that? Be like, okay, that was fun. Done. Yeah. Who knows? Um, uh, and, and then since we're in Talking Truck and we're talking about Diane Mulder, uh I'll just mention that she also appeared in as a guest star on two episodes of the original series. Uh, one of them is Return to Tomorrow, which is uh, an episode that I've recommended. It's one of the Tomorrows. Mm-hmm. So she did a couple of episodes of the original series and then came back and did a whole new did character whole, yeah. on The Next Generation. So that's cool. That's some talking track. It is. I talked a lot of track. What track do you want to talk? Picard, really interesting. There is no
0: clever way out of this. There is no, I'm going to sneak around Moriarty and pull the plug and <laughs> use a pipe to knock out the bag. Like, there's nothing of that.
1: Are you, are you saying he's not, he didn't Kirk it?
0: He didn't Kirk it. He is honest and sincere. He doesn't lie. He doesn't hide. It's... Both disturbing and really beautiful. Yeah, I I really it's it's fascinating because it may it, like every every t- opportunity to do this, I'm seeing Picard do something. I wish we would do more of everyone, our own leaders, <laughs> if they could just be a little more Captain Picardy.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they could just listen to the other side, find out what they really want, and yeah. see if it's really that big a deal to just freaking give it to them.
0: Yeah. To ju- like—is it really necessary that not keep our promises? Is it really necessary that we lie and become egotistical, grandiose things and patriotism and bad
1: You don't instantly go to let me find out what my enemy is really trying to get and see if I can just give it to him. Right. You go to he's the enemy and must be defeated. Yep. Yeah, this was a so- this was a, a nice moment for Picard. Or to how do the holodecks work and how much of it is transporter technology, how much of it is holographic technology. They do talk about how there was a mixture. Right. You know, it's not all holograms. That piece of paper that Moriarty drew on. Right. Got shown. It's,
0: got, it's shown he, he to He was Picard. able to take
1: it to to outside yeah. of the holodeck. Well,
0: and Wesley
1: Crusher was wet in Encounter at Far Points. So there's there's some real matter going on in there. Plus, you don't eat holographic scones.
0: <laughs> she, so, she does have
1: or crumpets, crumpets, crumpets. She's like right? I'm stuffed. So so chances are they're beaming crumpets in mm-hmm. into the middle of the simulation. It's just you've got between force fields. And, so there's a lot of stuff happening in that holodeck to give you that realistic feel to everything.
0: Right. My mind is racing with how that could be used, especially in warlike scenarios. You could tell the computer, you could give the computer parameters, find a weapon that will defeat, you know, insert bad guy here, and go to the holodeck, and see if you could basically make that, and then destroy your enemies. Uh,
1: And they use it for a variety of different. They don't use it as often. As, as a tool, which I wish they did. Um, there's one point where there are several characters that were abducted mm-hmm. and they want to try and figure out, you know, what the, like, what happened. And so they all go into the holodeck and they create, they kind of recreate mm-hmm. the environment that they think they were in. And these four characters working together say, you know, that table was over mm-hmm. here and it was tilted and it was this and, you know, like that kind of thing. So it's used as an investigation mm-hmm. tool every now and then. Yeah. George uses it uh, to create a complete mock up of the Enterprise engine room so that he can do his experiments in there, which I think is clever as heck. That's, yeah, uh, really smart. And then he creates, and then he creates a, um, the scientist that actually created it.
0: Wait, 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 what?
1: He creates a, a character in the holodeck to, um, of the scientist that actually created the engine. Oh. He creates the character of the scientist who... One of the engineers who built the engines of the Enterprise so that he can consult with her. Then he gets attached.
0: Oh, of course.
1: Shall we talk next week?
0: Yes. What are you having me watch? You sound like it's going to be fun.
1: I think so. I think it's going to be very it's going to, I, if you enjoyed your conversation about AI this week yeah, very we're, much. We're, we're going to do some more AI conversation next week oh. um, and uh, really dig in. And, and so we're going to advance now this was the let's see, we're going to advance about six episodes into the second season, and we're going to watch an episode called "The Measure of a Man: The Measure of a Man." okay it is the ninth episode of the second season, okay, okay yes measure
0: the measure of a man now i I'm already trying to think through what the measure of a man will be, so I
1: can give my clueless. Well, let me give you the the characters that it will be highlighting so you might get a little okay. bit more there so this is this is a data episode through and through not surprising um Riker. William Riker, the commander, will okay. definitely be mentioned or will be used a lot in this episode. And we are going we are going to meet, meaning you, me, and all of our new listeners who have not yet seen Star Trek, a new character named Gaynan. Gyenan is played by Whoopi Goldberg. Woohoo! So yeah. So now I like now, it. Now you already so, saw we're the child. are finally getting her. You already saw the child. So so right. um You've already met her through that, but this is going to explore. So people that didn't get a chance to meet her by watching the child will meet her for the first time in Measure of Man, and uh, it's a really good view of who she is, what mm-hmm. she's up to, the relationship. It pin. I guess I just right. I'll just pin these and let you watch it and. Okay. Cool. I always get so excited about like the next one that you're gonna watch, and I get excited about it, and then I then I sit for six and a half days and say oh dear please tell me that it wasn't like her least favorite
0: (laughs) i don't even know if i could go back to my least favorites because i bet if i went back and watched some of them i'd be like that actually wasn't that bad that's pretty good it's a little hokey but it's pretty good which is exactly how star trek
1: watches in the end when they're doing it well You walk away thinking, you walk away entertained, you walk away happy. Uh,
0: So I will actually be tweeting out The Measure of a Man when I'm watching it, January 21st, 6 p.m. Mountain Time here in the U.S. Uh, Follow along at Begin the Trek there as usual. And (laughs) see if you have some of the same. Oh, hashtag BTT, hashtag Measure of a Man
1: awesome so that's the 21st that's a sunday they're all sundays right
0: uh except for new year's eve i skipped. except for
1: the new year's eve which we skipped hey i hope you're having a good a good 2018 now we're a few Best weeks far. we're a few weeks in we're it's a few weeks good. into uh the next generation um i should mention a couple of things and then we should get a prediction from you okay Uh, But first, before we do, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to predict with all the spoilers possible. So I already mentioned it a little bit in the episode, but if by now you have not watched Skin of Evil, Tasha Yar did die before the end of the first season. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to mention again was she did have an intimate relationship with Data. So that's, that, that does play into this episode. That's an important thing to know. Um, and apart from that, the Guinan character is brand new. Those are your new spoilers for next week. Would you care to give us a prediction?
0: Uh, yes. I feel like this is going to be all Data and Emotions. So how he deals with expectations of how he's supposed to deal with emotions, Mm. such as Natasha Yar or courage, probably from Riker or uh, in that way. But I don't have the big thing like, oh, we land on a new planet and Data is faced with this, which makes him confront his expectations of relationships and courage, and um, I don't know. So I don't have that thing. I don't know what it is. I need to make something up.
1: Okay. Sometimes you may not. And, and listen, these stories are, they're dynamic and diverse. That you ever get any of them right is pretty amazing. And, I mean, you nailed, you nailed elementary deer data, so. I
0: did. Your I gen- nailed the Lorelei signal. <laughs> that was kind of funny.
1: You they, really like did. on
0: the dot.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, the naked now or the naked the naked time, time. too. The naked time too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're You know better what I think this, this is, is gonna be? Hmm.
0: This is gonna be Data dealing with a birthday. I have no idea what's gonna like be sci fi about that. Like Data's Dealing with a birthday? birthday?
1: Like what? Like Data's birthday or somebody else's birthday?
0: Like Data's birthday. Okay. But that's okay. that's just random. <laughs> so,
1: so it's either that first very long and drawn out complicated thing with emotions or he's dealing with his birthday. One of the two.
0: <laughs> no, he's dealing with the long and complicated emotions while having a birthday.
1: During the birthday. <laughs> yes. Like we There's all... a birthday party
0: and everything goes wrong. <gasps> that's it. Okay. Take out everything else. Data's having a birthday party. And things are going very wrong, and he has to confront all of these expectations that he doesn't understand because humans force feelings upon robots.
1: Got it. Is that your final answer? That's my prediction. You are locked in for your prediction for next week. Yeah, it's going to be... Measure of a Man is... A thinker. It's a good one. It's a thinker.
0: Oh, I like thinkers, which definitely means there's no birthday party
1: that's going wrong. Well, and, and it, it definitely involves uh, AI and it definitely involves data. So, uh, yeah, I it, not that I would ever try to predict, but I think you're going to like this one. Okay. I think so. Well, we'll see. I think so. All right. Well, you have a fantastic week. You too. And we will chat next time on Begin the Trek. Let's give our let's give our contact information one more time. Do so, uh, you want to do the plug? Uh, sure. Let Before, me try it this time. Okay. Let me see. So for those of you that want to get a hold of us, uh, there are multiple ways to do that. You can reach us on our website at www.beginningthetrek.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Begin the Trek and our Facebook page at Beginning the Trek.
0: Awesome. I'm going to follow up. We do have an email that will get sent to all of us. Both of us. (laughs) If you want to reach out that way, if that's your preferred method, it's info at beginningthetrack.com.
1: There you go. To the whole Beginning the Trek team. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Please like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and all of those places where you get this. And we would love to hear reviews from you. Let us know how we're doing so that we can make this as, as much fun as possible. Anything else? That's it. Have a good week. Now we can say goodbye. You have a great week. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Isn't it? It just blew my mind. It's so weird. It's so weird. You get into these things because humans make, like, what a robot? What a monkey? There are no lines when it comes to animals. Nobody's like waiting in line to get like free food. That's all. Like animals don't do this. And that might be so completely far out there. Where were we?
1: I don't even know.